I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's Mike show. You might be mocking me or you might be staunchly agreeing with me. I can't tell. I'm mocking you. And the Bulldog. What is Fozzie Bear's role in this production? On WGR Sports Radio 550. Is it believable to you that my uh, friend, who is older than me, had never heard of the game Mastermind? Sure. Okay. I'm not sure I know the game. Is that right? Holy cow, that's amazing. I think. My friend was like, no, I've never heard of it. What's Mastermind? I'm like, are you serious? But I, I guess that really, happens in life. I'm not playing around. I really, I'm not sure. It's possible if you were to describe it, which I don't know how good an idea that is, uh, that I, <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I played that with my sisters. Yeah, I, but I, I don't know it by name. The four pegs, there's six different colors, and the other person gets ten turns to try to guess the sequence and the, and the colors. No, now I think you just made this up. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll have to get back to this uh, <laughs> pronto. But after moving moving on, Chris Trapasso joining us now on the Wester Hotline. We don't want to waste Chris's time. Chris, been a while for me anyway. Thanks for jumping on. No, thanks for having me, guys. I love coming on. Thank you. Um, how do you look back on, like, how, how where it ended up for the Bills, you know? Um the sudden ending with the loss of the Bengals, not even a close game, and like all these sort of takes came out. <laughs> their their past drafts and just what they might have neglected. I mean, you know each of these draft picks of theirs so well, you know, having studied them. I don't know, like is it fair, Chris, to sort of look at all the defense, the the, the impetus on defense over the over recent years and sort of lay blame at the Bills' feet? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that uh Having a priority in the draft, which to me is the most important thing in the NFL because of how cheap you can get players, having the emphasis be on defense over the past three or four drafts instead of offense in a certainly offensive predicated league, I think was a little bit of a misstep in philosophy. Do we know if that's Sean McDermott pushing that because he's a defensive guy, if that's Brandon Bean's philosophy? It's probably a mixture of the two along with the scouting department. Um, they certainly passed on some good receivers. And it, it, it worked up until that Bengals game that you have Josh Allen, and I think when you have a high-caliber quarterback, like Patrick Mahomes showed last night, you don't necessarily need a Tyreek Hill, um, but you can't have guys that are on the street that are in their mid-30s as your number two and number three receivers in a playoff game. So I think that one, that take is certainly valid. But getting more specific, 
the lack of yards after the catch, and I, I feel like I've said it on this show with Bulldog, with Jeremy and Howard in the morning, two straight years as either the number 32 team or this year the second to last team in the NFL in average yards after the catch per reception, while the 49ers and Chiefs finished second and third. The Bengals were 11th, and that was without Jamar Chase for four games. I think in today's NFL, just watching as much as we all do with red zone and fantasy, the Bills' lack of, outside of Stephon Diggs, receivers or tight ends and running backs who can take a three-yard pass and turn it into a 20- or a 30-yard gain I think is the, the starkest difference between them and the teams that were in the conference title games and now in the Super Bowl. You know, that is um, something for sure. I remember talking about it with you um, last off season, Chris. Yep. And I also remember the Bills talking about it this past off yeah. season. And I made this point last week. Like, they made a point of emphasis that they wanted to get better at that. Allen sort of took it on himself. Like, it's it's on me to, to hit guys, you know, in, in, you know in, in stride more often or just in ways that will enhance their ability to do things after the catch. So unless that was just lip service, it, it was, I believe, an organizational point of emphasis that netted them exactly what? Like next to nothing. They climbed, like you said, from 32nd to 31st in that metric. And well, that's that's a pretty glaring miss if indeed it was genuinely something that they wanted to focus on. Yeah, it's, it's hard to say if it was just lip service to the media or they just didn't make the right selections or they didn't utilize those players correctly i think and i said all season i probably said it you know post draft in april or early may that khalil shakir being a fifth round pick that was where he thrived that to me signaled that hey they want to slowly incorporate this fifth round pick maybe by november or december he's part of the offense and he never really became even a, a, a tertiary part of this offense meanwhile the chiefs are rolling out six and seven rookies and they're giving them the football they're letting them play Um, it's hard to tell if they just missed or they didn't have a priority on it, but it seems like with the Bills analytics department that they are pretty analytics forward. Uh, They're very progressive in trying to stay ahead of the curve. It would really surprise me if they weren't trying to get better in that yards after the catch category when clearly the top teams, the most potent offenses in the NFL are not just slightly better than them. They're the elite teams in yards after the catch. And I think if the Bills were better in yards after the catch, we wouldn't hear as much griping about Ken Dorsey and the scheme because a lot of those easy throws would be made by Josh Allen and they wouldn't be a five-yard throw to Dawson Knox that gets tackled for a six-yard gain. They would turn into the George Kittle-type plays that are high-percentage throws that ultimately become first downs and big plays for the offense that just never materialize for the Bills. With Chris Trapasso, so you're talking about – I want to ask you this at least in one way – the Chiefs or just even the Eagles too maybe, but um, how the Chiefs in this one metric are at or near the top of the league. I mean, it seems like, and I think I saw this from you today as well, in terms of their 2022 draft, they really scored. Yeah, it was a really, really good draft. And I think after the Tyree Kill trade, I think we all were kind of taken aback. Like, how could you trade Tyree Kill? He's different than any other wide receiver in the NFL. And they were going to try to replicate some of his production. They signed Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS. But really, to, to bring in Isaiah Pacheco, who was great out of the backfield during the regular season as a pass catcher, had a big uh, game as a receiver last night, to just 
get some youthful players that are big-time athletes, especially at corner, to kind of help fill out the roster. Because I think the Chiefs' defense over the past couple of years hasn't been that elite-caliber defense like the Bills, like the 49ers, like the Eagles. Um, they needed to get better on that side of the ball, and I think it, it, it was a, certainly a risky move. Um, but to have a big draft class, you're going to probably hit on more of the pitch just by having more selections. And I think a lot of the times players just getting opportunities is so much more important than, uh, you know, if we think they're good or not. I think it, if you plugged in some of these lesser corners that the, the Chiefs have utilized this season on other teams, said, hey, you know, he's a seventh-round pick, Jalen Watson. He's not going to play, but all of a sudden they need him out there. He had an interception yesterday, had a big interception uh, in that September game, a pick six against Justin Herbert, which ultimately gave the Chiefs the one seed. So I think the Chiefs said, hey, we have to roll out some of these rookies. Let's do it. And they mostly got very good return on investment from a rookie class when they really needed it. You know, I, I wonder, Chris, if we're looking at that being somewhat of a function of them being yeah. a year ahead of the Bills on the quarterback contract front, right? They, they, they maybe have had to settle into, right, we got to draft guys and they're going to have to play because they're cheap. And the Bills, maybe this is the offseason where they may have to pivot to that. Like, we spent last offseason going, like, I don't know, they, they need a corner, so I guess they'll draft a corner. And then that guy didn't even start um, until it was really necessary. And, you know, the rest of it was just sort of, like you say about Shakir, James Cook even, like they took their time easing guys in, and maybe that's about to change. Yeah, I think that this year I was just going to say that I, I think that's what the Bills will kind of lean into, and they'll almost have to do it because of the, the salary cap restrictions. And we've certainly heard about, you know, they can restructure Josh Allen, a bunch of other contracts to free up some space. But to me, beyond just – not having a lot of cap room and not feeling the need to make two or three big splash free agent signings. It's almost to me like year four, let's say going into of Josh Allen being an elite quarterback that they've rolled the dice on these older veterans, Emmanuel Sanders, Roger Saffold this season. I mean, I, I guess Sanders was pretty good. Saffold I think was a pretty big disappointment at left guard. I'd like to see the bills plug in some younger players, either sign some free agents who are 25, 26, that maybe were backups or were depth, pro, depth players to give them more of an opportunity, or like the Chiefs did, um, you know, plug in some of these rookies that will just give them more youth, more springiness on offense and defense, and just let these guys play. With Chris Trapasso on the Wester Hotline, Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. So, I mean, not you're, you're talking free agency too, but if I'm not getting ahead of myself by bringing the draft up. They will pick near the back, 27th. You know, it's still the first round. There will be good options. Um, how does the draft, you know, the, the player pool look for you in terms of how it might line up with what the Bills need? Well, it's not a great receiver class, but to your point, with the Bills picking as late as they are in the first round, they could be picking probably not the first receiver off the board because I think most teams understand just how vital that position has become. To me, it's the second most important position in the NFL. I mean, you have more of a surplus at receiver than you do left tackle, but the ways that receivers can boost your quarterback, his efficiency with what we were just talking about with the yards after the catch is huge. So they could ultimately be picking the second or the third wide receiver off the board, uh, which would certainly make a lot of sense. And even if they went offensive guard, again, it's, it's kind of the same. There's not a 
Quentin Nelson. There's not a, 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 a high caliber, like instant all pro type at the guard position, but at the back end of the first round, uh, there certainly will be quality receivers and interior offensive linemen, which to me, I think are the two biggest, most glaring needs. I mean, certainly safety is a big need as well, but I think just in terms of what will move the needle the most uh, based on the competition in the AFC uh, and that you just really have to be able to score points in the playoffs against good defenses, it's got to be offensive lineman or wide receiver in the first round. How, how surprising, if at all, is it that, that it isn't a great class for receivers? And I only say that kind of anecdotally. Like I, I just feel like watching college football and talking with you and other draft people year over year, like it's a position that is very much in, like in demand. And I just feel like college football grows just big play, dynamite, fast, big wide receivers. And it's a little jarring that it, that it, it doesn't appear to be – is it just – not as good a class as say like last year was bonkers. Um, I don't know it just kind of surprises me. I just figured there'd be an endless supply of quality receivers flooding into the into the draft every year. Yeah, it is a little bit strange. And to your point, I mean, I think the last four or five years, almost every radio spot that I've done, I've just been like raving about how good the wide receiver class is. I will admit, I've not watched the entire receiver class yet, so there could be a few more guys deeper in the draft who I really like that I think will be good value. But when I say it's a, a somewhat of a down class, it's that there's not that Jamar Chase, mm-hmm. uh, Jalen Waddle type at the top. So there could be, again, the first receiver could go off the board at pick 18, the second could be at 23, and the third could be the Bills at, what, 27 or 28, whatever they pick. 27. Um, it, it, it's just that it's not that instant all-pro type wide receiver. But then again, in 2020, uh, Justin Jefferson was, what, the sixth receiver picked, and he might be the best receiver in the NFL at tracking toward a Hall of Fame career. So just because it's not great at the top, mm-hmm. that's kind of what I'm get, uh, getting at. The Bills could certainly go up offensive line in the first round and then in the second round pick wide receiver. So is that all generally, Chris? I'm not going to try to put words in your mouth. I'll just ask you to say maybe maybe there's it's not as heavy, but maybe it compares more with last year. I mean, last year – Drake London, he wasn't everybody's favorite. Last year in that first round, I mean, six went before the Bills' turn even, but it was really like particular tastes, <laughs> you know, di- different kinds of players with Olave and, you know, Burks being so different in terms of their skill set. Where do these, th- say it's three guys, that kind of how you're talking, um, are they on that level or maybe not even? I think a little bit lesser than the Drake London and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, but you're right that like last year's group didn't feel like the Jalen Waddle, Devontae Smith, Jamar Ch- uh, Chase year, or even Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs uh, and CD lamb a few years before that. Right. But like I mentioned earlier, I think almost every team understands it's, it's, it's almost been two thoughts going in opposite directions. The teams understand, Hey, Running back, Bijan Robinson is so good. He's Saquon Barkley-esque. But I don't think he's going to go super early because teams understand the value. And conversely, wide receiver is so important. You need three good wide receivers in today's NFL. I think we ultimately will still see four or five go in the first round. And that's just based on traits and what type of prospects they are. There's certainly guys, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, who are second-round picks who have become really good players. So it's not like the Bills can't get a good receiver. They just need to make a priority on it in the first couple of rounds. And then 
plug that player into their offense and get him 70 or 80 targets at least in his rookie season. What about Bijan Robinson, who you mentioned? You sort of answered the question already, but I meant to ask you where, where you see him going. Am I going to have to put up with like the Bills should draft Bijan Robinson because they didn't run the ball? Like, is you know, <laughs> is that coming? <laughs> that will, that, yes, that will probably be coming because it feels like during this early Josh or early in the Josh Allen era, whether it was Travis Etienne or Najee Harris, whatever the top running back prospect is, there's always been a link. I don't think from Brandon Bean or anyone leaking anything to the top running back prospects, Bijan Robinson and Jameer Gibbs from Alabama are two that if I absolutely had to pick a running back in the first round, and I am a big time, uh, like I do not like doing it. I'm anti running back in the first round. It would be one of those two. They're kind of different. Gibbs is more of an Alvin Kamara type. He's so, he's so dynamic. He has great acceleration. He's just that space running back that can be used in the receiving game. And B. Jan Robinson really is a slightly slower version of Saquon Barkley. Same body type, contact balance, vision, cutting ability. He's an instant running back one. But I hope we don't spend the next couple months, and for your sake, for your show, I hope you don't have to spend too much time discussing it because that is just a non-starter, I think, right well, now for the Bills. You know it works both ways, right? Like, that's probably good yeah. for our show. It's just maybe not yeah. for my sanity. <laughs> right? yeah, good. It's point. just, you know, the, there are movies, like the Black Swan. I mean, the, 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 most m- most things that are good for the show are bad for me personally. And that's really, <laughs> yeah. that, that's the dilemma. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. How about uh, the top of the draft, Bulldog, if I didn't jump the line here. No, um, you're good. Yeah. Chicago getting that first pick, odds are they trade it. What do you like there? I think they need to trade down, but I wouldn't trade down too far because if they could still get either Jalen Carter or Will Anderson uh, up front at defensive tackle or edge rusher, respectively, I think that would be huge for them along with a huge package for the number one pick at quarterback. And it's not Bills related, but I think you guys will have a lot to talk about with this quarterback class because talk about different flavors last year at wide receiver. I think we're going to be in for a really fascinating discussion about the quarterbacks that Bryce Young is kind of locked in as this number one overall guy, but I think he's going to be like 5'11", 185, 190 at the combine, does not have a big arm. He's a good athlete. He's not Kyler Murray as an athlete. So traits-wise, he's definitely not a number one overall pick type, but he's already been kind of placed there. Then you have Anthony Richardson and Will Levis. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're kind of Josh Allen type. You have C.J. Stroud, who can't really move very well, but is a good pocket passer. It's going to be very interesting to see which team trades up with the Bears and then certainly which quarterback of this kind of uh, polarizing group they actually like. Boy, I've only just started, like, you know, paying attention, reading, and flagging stuff from you and and other draft people, and Levis already feels like the the divisive guy. Maybe not more than, like, one overall, like you're saying, with Young because of his build and whatever, but, like, Levis feels like the toolsy guy, and you want to trust that, and I'm bracing for lots of Josh Allen comparisons. Yeah, they will certainly be out there, and he's going to be polarizing because he's an older prospect. I think he's going to turn 24 in his rookie season. And he did have uh, a branch off the Sean McVay coaching tree. Liam Cohen was his um, offensive coordinator at Kentucky, so you're going to hear the pro-style offense stuff, and that he wasn't as good in his final season as he was in 2021. It's him and Anthony Richardson are the big-time, toolsy-type prospects that you want to roll the dice on. Anthony Richardson's much younger but it's really like different flavors at the position. Kind of similar to me to 2020 with Burrow, uh, Tua Tungavailoa, and Justin Herbert, that they were all different types of quarterbacks and have had kind of interesting beginnings to their NFL careers. Hey, Chris, if you don't mind, um, Joseph Asai, the Bengals player with the late yeah. hit on, Mah- on Mahomes last night, like, uh-huh. you know, we're all feeling bad for him. Um, he's a rookie, right, Osai? Second season. He tore his Achilles before oh. the season last year. Okay. Like, um, I don't know what I want to ask you. I, I feel like maybe you know something. You probably do. I mean, things about him that I don't. I just hope that he's, like, solid enough and he has the support because this will be around for a long time, that penalty. Yeah. I I can't speak on his background or anything like that, but I, I, I do think that he's going to be a big-time part of the Bengals moving forward. And I think we can all expect that they're going to be serious Super Bowl contenders for a while now. He was a second-round pick, super explosive player out of Texas. I think he had like a 40, 41-inch vertical coming out of Texas. Got hurt after a really good preseason last year in his rookie campaign. And with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard getting up there in age a little bit, he will be certainly part of the rotation and have plenty of opportunities to make big plays for the Bengals in the future. Very good. Thanks for your time, Chris. Hopefully we'll be speaking a few more times here in the next couple months. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Chris Trapasso on Twitter, by his name, CBS Sports. The draft is in April this year. <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that? They, it they, it's, crept, in, it's never crept into May yet, has it? <laughs> I don't know. Always April. Late April. But it is in Kansas City. 
Yes, I caught that on the broadcast yesterday. The the Bills picked 27th. It would have been 28th, but Miami forfeited its pick. Brian Flores and tampering and everything. Mm. So they're in the 20. There's four teams behind them, but there's a pick missing in front of them. So the number is 27. 803-0550 for your calls. Just text. You know how the show works. This is a beautiful thing. Just text from friends who are like, I don't know what Mastermind is. <laughs> so good. So good. Like, how does anybody, you know, just like a movie. Yep. How does? How did you never see this movie, right? But same thing, this board game. I can't believe how many people are telling me they don't know what it is. Yeah, you're you're honest. I, I really, I mean, I, I like to make try to make you know at least interesting, if not funny, conversation. Yes. Um, but when I said I've, I, I, it sounds like you made it up. Like that's really what it sounds. I don't have any familiarity at all with what you were describing, I, unless you were just doing a tragically bad job of explaining it. Uh, which I, you know, I think you're better than that. But you never know. I don't think it was that great, but it wasn't. I mean, it, it wasn't that bad either. <laughs> okay. You get ten guesses. To come up with my sequence, four pegs, and there are six different colors in the game. And, you know, you get ten guesses, and I can tell you, like, which ones are in the right spot and which ones are the right color in the wrong spot, and you figure it out. Okay, well, that's Mastermind. Mike Shope and the Bulldog (laughs) here, back to sports after this on WGR. Samuelson and Cousins return to practice. I don't need a decision today, so let those guys skate and pretty certain Thompson will be in practice tomorrow and we'll have a conversation after that. Don Granado, the Sabres have a game Wednesday night at home, finally a home game here after that trip where they did very well. Uh, against Carolina, 7:30 and then they're off until the 11th of February. That's an afternoon game a week from Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl against Calgary. Then it's out west. So a little bit of a breather here for them. Yeah, I'm gonna miss them. <laughs> it's, been, it's, been, it's been really, it's been a nice, uh, been a hell of a nice stretch here. One point from a playoff spot, and um, you know, a, a, a almost perfect road trip. Um, you know, just missed out in the shootout and overtime with Minnesota on Saturday night. So um, yeah, like I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad for them. On one hand, I think they could use a break. It's been a pretty, pretty grueling stretch here. But uh, I kind of I liked when they were playing every other day or sometimes back-to-back nights. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Selfishly, I like watching. They're fun to watch. I got to say, I am turning these games on, and like this happened Saturday night. Again, it happened on Thursday night. I just love these other uniforms that teams have. Boy, Minnesota look great. Yeah, like I'm just like the right age for it. You know, the Minnesota North Star look and – that was like an AHL, or I'm sorry, WHA Jets. Like they looked like Team USA, Winnipeg on mm-hmm. on Thursday night. But I'm I'm good. Like it's just long overdue. I guess I want to say, but maybe you know logistics, whatever. We couldn't do this before. Just it's just great this way. I, I told you yesterday at halftime of the NFC Championship, my friend and I went downstairs to play NHL Xbox with my daughter and her friend. Like that's what she's into now because she's a hockey player and she's loving mm-hmm. the Kraken, you know, whatever. And <laughs> on that game, you can pick, you know, 10 or more uniforms for any team. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Sabres with all their changes and 
you know, like teams like Montreal, where they go all the way back to the 20s. Yeah. Those video games, even like the generations that were coming out when we were in our video game primes, had lots of uniform choices. Yeah. And you can go, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear the alternates tonight, I think. I'm, just, I'm sitting down here in my basement on the Avs. You know what? I'm going to go Nordiques on this one. Just, just right. mix it up. And so um, good that the NHL got to a point where you can see that. And it's so random to me. Like, I don't, I don't look it up in advance. I turn right. on the Minnesota Wild and I get the Minnesota North Stars, and I love it. It just adds something uh, to the game for me. So maybe if you're younger, you don't care about the North Stars or even know what I'm talking about. But right, that, you just think uh, like, wow, these Minnesota uniforms are different. <laughs> yeah, maybe you think they're cool, but they probably don't trip any wires for you. Uh, you know, but for for us, for sure, yeah. I mean, they looked they looked fantastic, and they saw a lot of that on that trip. I mean, St. Louis, Winnipeg, mm-hmm. and Minnesota, and of course, Sabres have been wearing theirs at home and the black ones at home. I don't know. It's a it's a nice time in the league. I'm loving all that stuff. Very good. Uh, nothing against the guy, because that's not at all what the point is, but what I'm not loving is that the Bills' forever long drought of never having a tight end in the Pro Bowl has been snapped mm. uh, here. That was just like an easy one that I could always remember, yep. and I guess, this, I know it sounds bad on Knox, I don't mean anything toward him, but just like, <laughs> I guess that's broken because even though they don't play the Pro Bowl anymore... And even though the team in the Super Bowl doesn't get to have their guys go to the, the Pro Bowl, which was not the case in 1992, or else the Bills would have had no players in the Pro Bowl. <laughs> right. Like, that's what opened the door here for Dawson Knox. Congrats to him. I hope, I imagine he's like, it's, a good, it's good news, I guess, for these guys. Sure. Yeah. Um, Saffold, too? And Dawkins? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Tyler Huntley was one of the alternates at quarterback in the AFC. So, <laughs> right. I mean, it, yeah, it gets it gets a little more ridiculous. I feel like every year um, with with some of the people that you hear are going, and um, you know, yeah, that's I think that's the case. Yeah, but I'm going to have to find a new way when the to- when the time comes to describe how like the Bills man tight end yeah. here like because um, like all pro is too is like that's you know. It's too hard. It's too hard, right. Yeah, it's not, you know, saying that, like, there there probably are more teams in the league than not that have never had a tight end be all pro. Yeah, maybe. Um, Chris Trapasso mentioning how the Chiefs and the Eagles, or the Niners, maybe he mentioned, like, teams that are awesome after the catch. I think, was it San Francisco? I know that they they are a team. They were high up there. Like, second and third, did he say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And those are also teams with great tight ends. So... What you do is sort of look around, and what do, what do those teams have that I don't? Like, can I expect the Bills to have Travis Kelsey? That's a lot to ask. That's a guy that's going to the Hall of Fame. Maybe so is George Kittle someday. Like, they're elite at that position. Dallas Goddard's really good for Philadelphia. Um, Knox is okay. Knox is okay. But he does get to go to the Pro Bowl. Paul Costa, in 1966, mm. the Bills say, is their last tight end rep at whatever the – Pro Bowl would have been called in 1966 when it was just the AFL. AFL All-Star game, maybe? All right. Paul Costa. Paul Costa, right. Wow. How about that? The um, the end of the game last night, officiating a big talking point. I don't really want to force my little speech on anybody, 
I'm expecting to need it mm-hmm. whenever we might talk to somebody who is like worked up about the officials, and that's a lot of people. I don't say that to be sarcastic, yep. but the last the the end of the game last night is like a I don't know if it's perfect, but it really is like what the problem is right there, where you have the late hit on Joseph Osai, which like you've agreed, you've said as well. It's worse if they don't call that. It's just like that's a penalty every time. Yep. You reach out, arms extended at the quarterback when he's in the white. I mean, that's a penalty every time. It's weird. It's something's really strange if they don't call that. And you know these guys don't want to make these calls at the end, which is perhaps relevant to how on the same play the Kansas City left tackle has a vice grip on the Bengal pass rusher. Like, they're not calling holding there. I mean, it's happened. Yep. But I, yeah, I, I saw a lot of analysis of that. Um, the, and, and I think there, there were maybe two, two potential infractions there on that play that Mahomes ran away from. And what I'm seeing is like, well, when the defender does this, you as long as your feet and, like, there's a, a very technical eval um, of it from people who I trust would, would know. And I'm I'm looking at it and I'm nodding and going like okay. You're telling me that flag's never been thrown? <laughs> Definitely, you're not telling me that. I don't think, but like you you could have thrown a flag maybe on one of those. Like nobody would have batted an eye at it. I don't know. Well, you have on the same play. You have. It's the end of the game. We don't want to call a penalty at the end of the game. That's this. That's this vital. But we have to. And these are split second decisions by officials. And the other one is, you know, there's just a, we all know it, officials in every sport have a different standard. Like it's a different way of looking at a play like that when it's 20 to 20 and there's 15 seconds left, right? So, and the outcome d- decides who goes to the Super Bowl, even, right? I think maybe what they would have liked to do is after the late hit happened is to throw the flag on the holding. Right. Because then they can cancel mm-hmm. them both out if that's what would happen there. I don't know if the personal foul makes that different. But then, you know, just sort of, all right, let's just forget it. But it's just, it will never change. And we're not going to review holding. And we don't want more holding, right? Raise your hand if you want more <laughs> holding penalties. We don't want more holding. It's never going to be, it's okay to hit the quarterback out of bounds. Like, this is always going going to be the NFL. And I it's, I laughed, literally, when I saw Adam Schefter today talking about the league is going to look at it. Just shut up. The league is always <laughs> not going to look at it. They, they are, but it's just, there was, what, what are you going to do? Tell me what you're going to do. At it. I, I, I looked at it. I already did. I already looked at it. <laughs> and, and you're done looking at it. I'm done looking at it. I, I, you know, I, I throw up my hands. That's what I do. Like, and maybe they do. Well, you know, uh, hmm, ah, that's how it goes sometimes. What is the, what is there in the way of a solution? More holding? No. More just wild west? No. We're going to protect the quarterbacks. Like more reviews. What, more reviews. They they will ha- they have done that, but. That doesn't help. That doesn't fix anything. It's just it just sucks for the Bengals. Like if if we're the Bengals, it's all we're talking about yep. is Osai, but the other ones, the play they got to do over on third down because of the right. clock. Like we're just we would be we would be losing it over yep. the officiating and how that game ended. And you know, I 
I don't think the broadcast did 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 anyone any favors. Or maybe the officials or whatever, or or if you're um, like a, a a a Bengals fan that doesn't want to just oh the refs right you're trying to kind of like we try to do right like it, it it's not foolproof like last year after the Tampa game I was irate about officiating and I try not to go there because it just happens to everyone um but the like the, the explanation of the grounding penalty on Burrow on the broadcast was horrendous like they they they, they couldn't get like Nance is there with like Pirine is right there, and they just got to blow past it and keep going. They did not dwell on it at all, um, and I just think they could have done a better job explaining why that flag still got thrown. And I think they did say it, but it just got rushed. And maybe that was just the game itself. I, I, I don't That's remember. what I think. That's what I but think. I just remember sitting there thinking they're just not doing a great job of putting this together for the audience. Well, look, this grounding – We've seen that happen tons of times, and like, is there? Do we ha- do we measure how far away Pirine is? No, that's not how it works. The problem is that the NFL now again, it's like in theory at least meant to protect quarterbacks. That you see Josh Allen do it twenty, thirty times. They just throw the ball into the ground. I mean, yeah. the very words intentional grounding is that's what that is. He's right. not trying to complete the pass. If you're not trying to complete the pass, you are intentionally grounding the ball. But they allow for all these different ways for quarterbacks to get away with it. And so how does the decision get made whether Pirine was close enough? Yeah, like, like why does that one not qualify? Because it didn't get to the line of scrimmage? No, because he's like three or four or five yards upfield. So he's if when you when you saw the replay from behind Burrow, you can see Pirine, but... It's not even like Burrow threw the ball at his feet. He's not one. The two guys mm-hmm. right there are both linemen. And then Pirine is, you know, he would have had to, it would have been risky to try to throw the ball to Pirine's feet. Mm-hmm. You might as well try to complete the pass at that point. So I liked that call. I like. I thought, like, that is, di- that is a, you're taking too many liberties here with this one. He's not right there. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. I hated that call because I, I, I feel like I see that play happen a hundred times, if not more, a year, and it's not flagged. <laughs> so th- th- that one really, that one really, that one bugged me. It, it, it added to the oh no moment I had when Osai pushed Mahomes. It's just like, oh man, these guys cannot get a break. The Bengals, <laughs> right? This is, this is all going against them, and now this is going to look horrible because here comes a 45-yard field goal where one did, did, just did not exist before he pushed them. He absolutely pushed them. He deserved the penalty, but the timing was pretty awful. 803-0550 to call in, talking about last night and where the Bills stand here as we watch Kansas City go through again, beating Cincinnati, good game. Lines are open for your calls. This is Mike Schopen, the Bulldog, WGR. Here's the only worthwhile point, I think, or I can think of on the on the officiating as a takeaway from this game last night. Get the one seed. Right. Never never have to leave your home. That's it. It's not that that these penalties all only favor the home team, but this has been studied. This is a known reality in sports home teams get calls who else gets good who else gets calls great players so that's your problem added up great players playing at home and you've got a problem that's the problem it's not like you need any more 
reason for angst over last year. But last year, you had him beat in his stadium, so you didn't have to clear that particular hurdle anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what you've got. And so, I don't know, like, I want, I don't know, what about what do I want? I like the old way. So did everybody. <laughs> when two teams got two buys. Teams. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like no, nobody my whole life ever said, you know what, they need a seventh playoff team in each conference. Somebody who's 9-8 and eight or some nonsense like that. No, they don't. I mean, those teams haven't even been really competitive yet. Save Miami if you want to, you know, there's mm-hmm. a clo- close score, but sure. in the game against the Bills, just it's a big edge, and now you've got a Super Bowl one versus one. And San Francisco's all banged up. Kansas City did have a lot of injury stuff, starting with Mahomes walking into the game. Or right, limping, but, limping into the game, but, but during the game, yeah, I mean, they lost, they lost um, Hardman and yep. who, who Tony, else? Tony, right, Tony. That's the one I was forgetting. Um, Juju too, or no? Wasn't there a I, third guy? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, so they, yeah, they were, they were, de- they were into their depth chart uh, in that game to get through it. Yes, uh, here is. Let's see, Mike with us. Hi, Mike. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, Mike. Thank you. So uh, there's two points I wanted to talk about. Um, I guess the first being how uh, Allen's elbow injury may have maybe hindered Dorsey as a play caller. And the second one was um, is having a defensive-minded head coach maybe something that might um, hold us back as a team, just always having to cycle through offensive coordinators. And uh, I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thanks. What's I guess I could make it into a question. Should they fire Sean McDermott? Yeah, no. I think but no. It, but T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Philosophically, is it a reason why you would prefer to have an offensive guy as your head coach? You don't have to constantly be replacing the guy who is the mastermind behind the offense yeah constantly is a little strong i mean they've they've changed once here i mean right um well no i mean dennison was was mcdermott's first old coordinator that lasted a year then in came dayball and there was stability and then he left and now you were left to you know try to figure out how to proceed 
And yeah, I mean, if if the Bills, you know, if the Bills had played better against the Bengals and won that game and were still alive, maybe you'd be bracing to lose Dorsey too. Um, so it is, you know, it comes it comes with the territory if you hire the, a coach from that side of the ball, the defensive side of the ball, and your offense is, you know, you've got this quarterback and you're second in the league in points per game. You know, you're going to get some attention, and the guy could leave you. You know, we've had people on the air who've mentioned Allen's injury and many more people who were waiting to talk. I'm just not – I just haven't been able to get there on this with, with the elbow. Like, I, it was a real injury. He probably should or at least could have missed time. We know that. What was different? A lot of the stats are not different. And the season went along, and I wondered if they were – Still able to really throw the fastball again, to use that metaphor, and Allen with his elbow is part of that, but didn't seem like it would cost them in the long run, and I don't think it did. It doesn't really line up with the consistent criticism that I'm hearing, anyway, the most frequently, which is that there is not, there's too much of, hey, everybody go long in this offense, and like that. Maybe that, you know, I don't know if the caller is talking about at the end here or more like I, I think, you know, we can all see what they did around Thanksgiving and, you know, just running the ball and Allen had very modest numbers and that was the injury was much fresher. By the end, I think the criticism you were hearing about the offense, the criticism I would make about the offense is that there wasn't enough underneath stuff. And so I, I don't think there was any limit. On you know unless those are harder throws to make for some reason more ta- I, I, it doesn't add up like they were launching the ball downfield almost to a fault if not flat out to a fault so yeah I'm not I haven't really heard a argument about the elbow like being uh, what's the right way to put it a meaningful part of how the season changed I guess maybe I mean they won every game after that. <laughs> Right? After the game against the Jets, they won every game until, you know, last Sunday. Well, no, the Minnesota game was after the Jet game. That was the first game after the Jet game. Oh, right, right, right. That's right. Yeah. Where they had the lead with 30 seconds to go. Yeah, right. And fumbled (laughs) at their own one-yard line. (laughs) That's that's right. Just ease into the... 33 to 30. That's right. We were all surprised Allen played that game. Yes. All right. Thank you for that. Correction, Mike Shope and the Bulldog here. You can reach us at 803-0550 to talk. This is WGR. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.